The Hope Project. On this podcast, we talk about matters of sex, sexuality, sexual shame, purity, and how that all relates to Jesus and God. We hope that through this podcast, you'd be able to recapture the beauty of sexuality. Journey with us as we seek to better understand sex and find freedom along the way. This podcast is a part of season one. If you haven't yet listened to the trailer for season one, I recommend you do that now before listening to this podcast. Guys, I'm so excited to have Jim and Roe on the podcast today. Jim and Roe have been married for 44 years. Jim owns his own business and is a career coach and a futurist, and both of them are very involved with Treasures, a nonprofit that serves trafficked victims and women coming out of the sex industry. Roe is also an adjunct faculty and a staff spiritual director at a local seminary. She trains, leads a support group, and speaks for Treasures. I'm so excited to have both of them on to speak about sexual brokenness as they often themselves mentor many couples who are struggling with this very thing. Excited for you guys to hear it. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we have Ro and Jim with us, a happily married couple for years and years, <laughs> but they're really young. <laughs> um, and they're going to share a little bit about pornography, attachment, us, their story, and how that all comes together. So, Ro and Jim, could you explain a little bit just for the audience, for the listener, for whoever's listening to this right now, kind of what your story is, what your background is, where you've come from, any yeah. of that sort? Sure. First of all, Colton, we were very grateful that you invited us to be on your podcast, and we're looking forward to sharing a little bit about our story and how we got here. Um, I am an adjunct faculty member and a staff spiritual director at a university, and I work with Treasures in another uh, safe house where I work with traffic victims and women coming out of the sexual exploitation industry. Um, and a little bit of my story just came out of sexual abuse, domestic violent home, have had a lot of trauma in my story. And so that's a part of how we ended up in this place of talking about this kind of journey. And Colton, you said happily married. And, and let me just uh, qualify that and say that um, 44 years, we actually celebrated 44 years just last weekend. Hmm. So uh it, it's been a long, it's been a yeah. journey for sure. Yeah. Uh, the first part of it, the first 20 years was pretty tough, but I have to say uh, the last 20, well, what, 24 years mm-hmm. have really been quite different and quite amazing. Uh, not diff- not easy, but quite <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, but I'm a career coach and a futurist. I um, have been doing this kind of work for at least 30 years now. Um, I started out at university where I was the director of a career center we moved to California, where I worked in the outplacement or career transition world for 22 years. And now I have my own practice as a career coach and futurist. And so mm. that's where I'm at. I love what I do. So, mm. so what I'm hearing is you guys have a lot of influence <laughs> just in, in kind of where God has placed you. It's, I mean, <clears throat> I don't think it's random where you guys have ended up. And no. I know influence is hard to, <laughs> to take on as like, a, this is who I am. But it seems like mm. God has kind of orchestrated both your mm. paths for influence. You know, we in the last 24 years, what we what I think has been surprising is the number of people who have sought us out uh, mm-hmm. for the conversation around what we're going to talk about today, yeah. uh, as well as the just the journey, this, the journey in general, the journey of life, and and the journey with God, and and the journey as married as a married couple. Uh, I think mm-hmm. uh, I, th- I think we do. I think people do seek us out. So, 
it is kind of humbling to think about, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it's also good because it forces us to ask, continue to ask the questions of ourselves. Yeah. So I think that's really great. Yeah. I think we really value vulnerability, and we have found in our own journey, meeting with other couples that don't feel the need to be vulnerable does not feel safe for us because mm-hmm. we recognize the value of really telling the truth and there's levels of truthfulness in. Mm-hmm. So I think God has opened doors because of that. Yeah. that. We have been willing to be that vulnerable and and sometimes it's obviously quite hard to do, but yeah. So th- and so the vulnerability between us, but also then when somebody else is in the room, we're also still willing to be that vulnerable with each other and with whoever's in the room. So to really speak the truth is is yeah. I think a a discipline that's or discipline a skill maybe even or a whatever uh, that's that a lot of people aren't really accustomed to. But yeah, which I, I think is really rare when you think of people who have influence in our society, especially in the Christian world. You have pastors, yeah. but a lot of times pastors are just talking about something conceptual, something yeah. abstract, something out there, yeah. something of scripture. And so that's why, I mean, especially for this kind of podcast, I didn't want to bring on a pastor. <clears throat> not that pastors can't be vulnerable, not that yeah. they can't share about their own personal life, but I think you guys are very unique um, in the sense that like, you're willing to not only talk about something, but actually share your interacting with it. Because yeah. I think... You showing how oh this is how we've worked through it individually personally together as a couple is so important because all we hear about is here's what you should do <laughs> here's how you should think about it yeah. and not actually hey here's a person who's actually done this or yeah. thought about this interacted with this so Ro you mentioned you work with treasures um, which is a fascinating interesting hard but important organization can you share a little bit about what your experience has been with treasures but also how it has made you then view pornography those who struggle with it those who are addicted to it. Um, well, um, Treasures is, is an organization that's been around about uh, 14 years, and they work with women that have been exploited for pornographic videos and who have come out of trafficking and sexual exploitation in a variety of ways. Um, most women that have been filmed in porn have been trafficked, so some are underage. Um, Treasures has been just a phenomenal organization for me. Um, I met Harmony as she spoke at a university 11 years ago and I knew that I wanted to be a part of that because of my own sexual brokenness. Um, And so that's what the journey's been about for me is just understanding my own story and being able to pour into women that are coming out of a lot of abuse and there's a lot more to understanding women that have come out of sexual brokenness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think in the in the circles I've been in, even before coming to Jesus, even now coming to Jesus, a lot of porn is viewed as kind of like a victimless act, <laughs> um, which I just don't think is true on either end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially I think you have the end of the spectrum where really the real victims are at. Mm-hmm. Um, we often think they're paid actors who are getting all this love. They want to be there. Um, but from your your experience, that's just not the case. No, it's not the case. In fact, most most women that are trafficked will be trafficked into porn. Mm-hmm. Uh, the women that we have worked with over the years, almost all of them have been raped at least three times. Mm-hmm. When they have to do pornographic filming, 
They will tell you that they have to get high in some way to be able to do it. Um, they actually are forced to use objects to um, enhance the, the film. They also have to be with multiple partners. Mm. And anybody that's looking at porn knows that violence has become yeah. very very much a part of filming pornographic mm -hmm. films. And yeah. even online, a lot of them do online work. Mm -hmm. And they all have pimps, most of them. So it, it's not, there's always the other side of the story and most people that are outside of understanding this issue think that, what, like what you just said, that women choose this and they mm -hmm. grew up, yes, this is what I wanna do in yeah. my life. It's, not the case ever mm -hmm. and even most girls that go into stripping have been forced in by a pimp or a boyfriend that turns mm -hmm. out to be their pimp so there's there's always another story mm -hmm. that's much lengthier than what it appears to be yeah well i feel like it's people will point to those one or two girls who it's like no look they want to be there look how much money they're making but that is such a small 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 minority mm -hmm. i think of the majority of what's going on mm -hmm. but we often think well that's no that's they're all like that they're just not <coughs> the stars but mm -hmm. it's even crazy to use that kind of language um mm -hmm. when talking about this when you think about what's actually happening behind the scenes because no one knows again you're sitting there with your with your phone with your mm -hmm. computer with a tv whatever it is and you're just worried about yourself yeah. in that moment. And so for you, Ro, what is it like? Because you've dealt with a lot of couples, a lot of men. Um, you work at a university where you deal with a lot of men, and most of whom are probably struggling or have been addicted to pornography. Mm -hmm. So what has that been like for you to walk that balance of working with women coming out of the porn industry mm -hmm. while also working with men who have been primarily consuming and funding that industry? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I... I'll have to admit that I've gone through my anger stage several times. Um, it's very disheartening to see Christian men and women struggling with porn addiction and mm -hmm. um, knowing that it's driving the trafficking in the world. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more later in this podcast probably about what we can do. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think there's been anger and disappointment that we're not leading the way and trying to understand this this issue as as believers and followers of Christ. Uh, but also I think it has helped me be able to understand the journey because my hu my own husband has came out of a 30-year addiction of porn and because of that we've had a lot of very vulnerable conversations about what what drove that and what was that about and so hmm. and I'm not afraid to talk about it openly and honestly and have with most of my groups and and that has made my groups pretty when I talk about groups I'm talking about uh, students that I've had in small groups that have that's one of the subjects we do talk about in one of the classes that I help with mm -hmm. and that is the pornography hmm. so there is a, a place to talk about it in the seminary yeah of course and I think for myself, struggling with pornography and addicted to pornography for seven years, from probably the age of 15 till about 21-ish, and now as a 24-year-old on the back end of that, um, hearing kind of the voices of like, you're so disgusting and gross for watching this, and the reality is yes, <laughs> like in a lot of ways, yes, I am, but then that in a sense trapping me 
in the addiction because then it's like, well, I know this is gross. I know this is actually, I was aware that this was like probably sex trafficking victims, um, but didn't ever want to believe that in a lot of ways. And so it kept me in the cycle of like, I think this is gross. I hate myself, but actually hating myself made me do it more. And it's this continuous cycle. And so in some ways, Ro, before we get to gym, maybe what is, what is like your perspective? Um, how do you get out of that cycle of like <laughs> not wanting to indulge in the act, wanting to see the harsh realities that you just shared and wanting to believe that, but somehow in our minds and how broken we are that actually send us into a further spiral at times? How do you get, how do you get out of porn addiction? Not, <laughs> I <don't, laughs> uh, I, at least like is that what you're for for you as a woman because I don't want to make this uh, a very different gender discussion. Although I do think it impacts genders differently, but yeah. for you as a woman, um, what advice would you give to a man who's viewing himself as gross and disgusting because he's viewed porn? Well, I I wouldn't want that that person to feel shame. Um, there ha- we have to have a, a a deeper conversation about what drives pornography addiction. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and we'll get to that. Okay, so <laughs> that that would be my answer. Is mm-hmm. that we need to understand the etymology of porn addiction. Um, so I'm not sure how to answer that question. I just wanted to get a little precursor of I think a deeper conversation we'll have later in the podcast. But just I think that reality of like okay, don't experience shame. But also, we need, to, we need to go into this. But before yeah. we get to that, let's go to Jim. Because um, your wife just, she just exposed she you. Just <laughs> <the> bus, <yeah. laughs> For a 30-year addiction. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your experience with pornography, what that's been like, um, especially married to Roe now, who is working yeah. with. Uh, you know, and, l- and let me just say that, <clears throat> you know, I, I think the, the conversation between any husband and wife, most husbands, when they do get outed, uh, mm-hmm. Or found out would say, well, it's really not about the porn. Yep. And and so, but and that's essentially what you got to get to, you know. So, if and I think that's the thing that I think because of our journey together, Rose able to with any of those men that are in that classroom situation or in in that conversation mm-hmm. with her, she's heard me say that enough. Yeah. But even though I know it's very offensive for a woman to know that her husband is looking at porn I, yeah. I don't want to diminish that at all yeah. but it's really not about the porn it's mm-hmm. really about the deeper issues the, it it could be gambling it could be drugs it could be alcohol it could be overeating it could be binging on whatever mm-hmm. i mean it's just what do you use to medicate to disassociate mm-hmm. uh you know and go where you 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 find escape yeah uh, and that's really what it is but but yeah. porn does have its ramifications but not immediate right yeah. i mean because it's anonymous and who am I hurting? I'm looking at this screen. I mean, what's the big deal? You know, it's private. I'm not offending anybody except myself. And that's where it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, even growing up for me, I come from a family of alcoholics, a family of gambling addicts, video game addicts, whatever, whatever the addiction is that you can be addicted to, my family is done. But I wasn't addicted to any of those things. And porn was the one thing I was, but it always was like, well, it's not as destructive as alcohol or yeah. it's not as destructive as this. Yes. That was the justification yeah. in my mind. Right. But it's like, that was just my vice. You know, my great grandfather, my grandfather, whoever who was addicted to gambling or yeah. drinking, yeah. like a lot of times it's the same route in our family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so could you dive into a little bit more of that in your story? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I uh, actually came to, uh, became a believer uh, in Christ at age 10 
And shortly after that, a couple of years after that, I was introduced uh, to porn by a, 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 a extended family member. Um, mm -hmm. But my my dad was a narcissist, and there was a fair amount of verbal and emotional abuse, and uh, also some sexual abuse in the family. So um, that's really what drove me inward, and what really wounded my heart. Um, and so I found, I was introduced to porn, and then I found porn as a way where I could escape and disassociate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, honestly, for the first 20, because I'm a believer, I'm asking God to, you know, hey, yeah. you know, I don't want yeah. this, God, and I'm praying my guts out. Every time I would I would look at porn and, and nothing would happen. I would never, you know, there was no victory. There was no out. There was no mm -hmm. way out, it seemed like. So after... Um, uh, 20 years of marriage so the first 20 years of our marriage an additional on top of the 10 years before that uh, I'm not sure that the math is right but anyway <laughs> um, the point is that um, there came a point where God said enough's enough and he drew the line so hmm. and, and I can I can tell that story when you're when we're ready but anyway, yeah. yeah no I, I think that's cool because I think that gives hope <laughs> yeah. to a lot of people I mean a lot of guys my age are probably in a seven-year-plus struggle. Um, and to hear that even, <clears throat> for one, it's a, it's a warning that yeah. this can continue to happen if yeah. you don't figure out how to right. actually deal with this, which we'll get into later. But right. also there's hope that, like, hey, through yeah. the power of the Holy Spirit, although that's not the only way, it no. is a way that it can just one day, Jesus just like enough is enough, yeah. um, which I think is, is very encouraging yeah. and inspiring. Um, to a lot of guys, I'm sure, that are in the same spot you were at, where it's just like they're on their knees praying yes. every day, every week. Pleading. Um, just pleading, like, take this away. I don't want and this. for some reason, it's just yeah. it's not going away, um, which I think is the book we both read, um, Unwanted yes. by Jay Stringer, yeah. uh, where that has kind of put words to a lot of thoughts I think we've had about yeah. it. So I know that's been huge in your guys' journey. It's been huge in my journey. Um, <clears throat> so I know you had some stuff you wanted to read from it. You wanted yeah, to share from it. Yeah, you know, you and, and, and let me just say that. So back in 1995, when God essentially drew the line, he basically we I heard, we went to bed one night and and I heard God say it's time to tell the truth, and mm -hmm. so because I'd been hiding the truth all those first 20 years, and so that was um, a moment where I decided to say yes. I said yes to that, and really just told Ro the whole story, my whole sexual journey, and and all that I was involved in, which by God's grace I wasn't involved. Uh, much beyond just porn um, but you know so I was grateful for that but um, mm -hmm. that confession if you will telling the truth uh, really started the process and yeah. first of all gave me some victory early on in this journey that was amazing uh, it all, it, you know I, overnight I was uh, sober uh, hmm. you know and, and for two and a half years frankly it was just quite amazing um, but then I learned, uh, or because of some events that happened down the road a couple of years later, um, a friend of mine just really wounded me with some things that he said, and so that actually I relapsed, and yeah. I relapsed a dozen times or so over the next decade. And but that relapse was also God-driven because uh, mm -hmm. He showed me that you know, hey, I can give you victory, but I also need to heal your wounded yeah. heart. And yeah. That's really what, um, you know, so uh, some of the books, um, uh, Healing the Masculine Soul by Gordon Dalby mm -hmm. was a pivotal book for me. Um, and then uh, attending a story workshop at, at the Allender Center up in Seattle mm -hmm. where we unpacked a, a, a one story uh, of some sexual abuse that happened 
was really important. That was a weekend uh, thing and really taught me a lot about what was really going on in my heart. Mm-hmm. And among other things, I mean, you got to know that being married to Roe um, and being able to have that ongoing, honest conversation is so critical. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I think, if you're, if I was going to say anything, that if you're not married, you got to find somebody that you can have an honest conversation and tell your whole story, your whole mm-hmm. sexual journey, and be able to say, hey, this is what happened, this is what I did, to somebody, at least one person. It's, I think it's harder for, <clears throat> um, I think it's unique to have a spouse that you can be that honest with. I, I, mm-hmm. I really understand that I've got, <laughs> I'm, I'm blessed <clears throat> to say the least. But, um, but Unwanted, I think, uh, is a book that's come out uh, in the last year, within the last mm-hmm. six months, that it just blown me away. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm talking too much. Maybe I don't know. No, uh, you're good. Yeah, okay, all right. Um, Especially when you're complimenting Roe. Just yeah, as long as yeah. More of that, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what I do have to say about Roe is that she has systematically pursued therapy, and spiritual direction, and training, uh, mm-hmm. and and where I haven't, I have yet to find a therapist. I have yet to find a spiritual director. I don't know what's wrong, if I'm too particular or if I'm afraid. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the good news is, is that I really feel like I'm married to a therapist and a spiritual director and a person who really understands trauma. So we have that conversation that maybe people would normally have with a therapist yeah. uh, that, or normally would have with a spiritual director. So I'm just, I gotta tell you, the ongoing conversation that we have had, I wouldn't be where I'm at today had I not had that opportunity. But then resources like Unwanted come along and mm-hmm. just blow me away because yeah. there's some vocabulary here that I don't think was really available to us uh, until now. And, and Stringer has done an amazing job of, of researching the issue uh, and also then putting it out there in a way that I can, I can really get a hold of it. Um, I, I do want to mention that one of the things that he, in the middle of the book, uh, he talks about why we stay in this pattern of unwanted uh, being involved with unwanted sexual um, behavior. He talks about the six life experiences. The first one is deprivation. Mm-hmm. When I read this, it's basically either not knowing what you need or not being able to get what you need. I'm being deprived. Mm-hmm. And for me, it wasn't, it was not being able to articulate what I needed. And so not taking the time, not thinking through, not even asking myself or God, what do I need, you know, and then mm-hmm. not being able to articulate that. That's where it all starts. Yeah. Um, if I can't get my needs met, then I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to dissociate mm-hmm. and go somewhere. I might go to the bottle. I might go to gambling. I might go, but p- porn is so easy. It's mm-hmm. just so easy. And it, you know, it really doesn't cause any, except some, obviously some problems, but I mean, I, I can't go, I can watch porn and go drive, right? Yep. I can't drink myself mm-hmm. silly and go drive. I mean, there are mm-hmm. some ramifications there, but that that whole deprivation and then dissociation, and then he talks about unconscious arrival, uh, arousal underneath that, and then he talks about futility and then lust and anger, and he was, the conversation that I thought was really amazing was he presented all those different things as uh, things that were linked together that happened simul- not maybe simultaneously but in a row mm-hmm. and that they were linked together and you I can see the progression happening oh, yeah. in my life and yeah. so it's it's really an amazing uh, resource and I would highly recommend 
I'm actually only two thirds of the way through it because uh, <laughs> I'm really, I, yeah. I swear I'm underlining every almost every other yeah. sentence, yeah. frankly. So well, no, I, I think it's fascinating with. I think Christians especially struggle with voicing needs in general because yeah. we're so servant driven. <clears throat> so it's like forsake your own needs, pick up your cross yeah. and go after it. But yeah. I mean, if you look at the cycle that Stringer lays out of like deprivation, like st- at the start, like you don't know how to voice your needs, yeah. which people right. suck at voicing their right. needs and then or your needs don't get met. Right. And that's normally why you don't voice them because you're scared they're not going to get met. And so to avoid that hurt and rejection, you disassociate. Yes. And then once you disassociate, you probably use porn. And then that yes. leads yes. to another time where you're just unconsciously aroused. And it's like, whoa, where'd that come from? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. hello. Um, yeah. And then you're like, well, what do I do with this? And then you're like, well, I don't have anything going for me in life. And you have that yeah. futility. And so it's like, well, I don't have anything going for me. And then it makes you, you know, start lustful and you get angry. It's like, yeah. I want something. And then that makes you mad because you don't have it. And then you go back to, I need my needs met. It doesn't yeah. happen. Then it's just a cycle over and over again. And porn can come in at any yeah. moment. Yeah. Or any addiction. So for Roe, what has it been like for you? I guess walking through. I mean, I can think of countless women, um, and more and more men uh, in in recent recent years. But countless women who are in the exact spot you were in, um, if not thirty years, twenty, fifty, fifteen, whatever, um, and they have no idea mm-hmm. how to walk alongside their husband, their boyfriend, their spouse, whatever. Um, so what what was that like for you? And what advice can you give? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I want to say that I've learned a lot from Gemini mentoring couples the last, probably since 1997, we've been walking with couples with sexual brokenness, and almost 95% of the women think they have nothing to do with this problem, that they mm-hmm. have nothing, that this is all his problem, and they they are free of any kind of responsibility. When I say that, I don't mean that if the wife had offered sex or the girlfriend or whoever, this yeah. wouldn't be a problem. That's you're, not not, it, you're not giving a door open no. to men to then just blame, well, it's your fault. It's yes, like, well, absolutely yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. But there is a connection problem. And so I want to start with that. Uh, for me, um, it was hard. I, I don't want to minimize how I felt when Jim told me. I cried hard. It took me two years to forgive him. I was angry. But I also at the same time knew that enough to know that whenever someone has a struggle, they need someone to listen and to be with them mm-hmm. in it. And even though I hadn't grown that much spiritually back then, I knew that. And I knew that he had just given me something that was very tender and I needed to care for it in, in a way that will help him heal. And mm-hmm. so we, we jumped in with honesty for two years and it wasn't long before I realized yeah I've got a lot of brokenness in my own heart and and story Mm -hmm. and that's what we try to do when we mentor couples is help the woman understand you know we marry at the same level of brokenness that is something (laughs) professionals Mm -hmm. say Mm -hmm. if you're healthy you'll marry at a healthy level if you have a disengagement with understanding connection you're going to be drawn to someone that doesn't connect and yeah. it's all unconscious and so i was set up to marry a man that mm-hmm. was disconnected from my own hyper vigilant childhood and so um it's just really helping women understand there's more to the story and you have to understand your story is a part of his story mm-hmm. it's not about the sex let's take the sex off the table and just talk about your relationship and how you're connecting. And 
um, and I and I still, you know, when women find out that their husband's been looking at porn, they obviously think right away, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not thin enough, I don't have mm-hmm. what he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't help but not think that. Yeah. No matter how smart you are, how much you've therapy you've had, you're going to still think that. Yep. But that's not the truth. That mm-hmm. has nothing to do with it. So um, I think that's just understanding my own story in it. And I was willing to do the the truth-telling, and we have both recognized that most women cannot do that. And I don't mm-hmm. know why that is the case, but I was willing to do that. Yeah. And so we usually... Ha- if the wa- the wife can't do that, then we encourage the man to find someone that can do the truth telling. Yeah. with. But. I think that thing you said about unhealth attracting unhealth and health attracting health is something that I think no one grasps. Even though all the marital experts, I think John Gottman said that, Milan yeah. K. Yurkovich, yeah, um, they're all saying like you're going to marry at the same level, yeah, of like security, whatever yes. it is, you're going to yeah. marry mostly at the same level, but often. Right. One party thinks the other spouse is worse. Well, yeah. she's yeah. she's too clingy and anxious, too insecure. I'm not. Yeah. It's yeah. not my fault. Or on the other side, well, it's, well, he's too angry and he yeah. is an addict. So it's it's he's the bad one. When mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I think there are some things that are worse than others in behavior. But at the end of the day, the root causes internally of where we're at in attachment, intimacy, whatever. You're probably at the same level. Yeah. Now maybe you got duped. That could yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, uh, most of the research says yeah. you're, you're pretty much married at the same yeah. level. Absolutely. Which is terrifying. Yeah. But also should yeah, be comforting. It is, it is terrifying. In, in some ways, to know that like, okay, well we're in this together, and if one right. spouse is painted as the perfect spouse, then we got somewhere to dive into with that. Yeah. Um, because they're probably not. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's huge. So, I guess for you, Jim. Say you have a, a 30-year-old male who's listening to this right now. Um, he's struggled with pornography for 10 years, hasn't told his wife, has told one guy friend, but it was kind of the conversation with the guy where it's like, hey, do you struggle with porn? Yeah, I do too. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's get pizza. And like, we'll not talk about it ever again. Um, what would be your advice, your counsel to him in kind of how to, how to navigate the reality of like his wife may not be ready to hear? Yeah. Um, that so what w- what would be your advice? You know, so we st- said you said something a little bit a bit ago about um, deprivation and not having a voice. Mm-hmm. And so what you need to understand about my background, and because my father was so narcissistic and everything that came out of my mouth was wrong, he was always right. So essentially, my up in my upbringing, my childhood, I learned that I really didn't have a voice. Mm-hmm. So I actually disconnected myself from my voice. And so the when it came along and when God asked me to start telling the truth, I found my voice. Mm-hmm. And that was the path out. It was to really start to articulate who I was and what I was about and so forth. So, again, I think probably the focus typically is on I'm looking at porn. I wish I wasn't looking at porn. I would say to that guy, you know, so what? Mm-hmm. I mean, so what? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, it's not good, but tell me your story. Tell me yeah. about your upbringing. Tell me what you struggle with. Tell me what, you know, where, I mean, just, it's your, unpacking your story is really beginning to yeah. do that. And, and again, if you don't like therapists or if you don't want a spiritual director, if you don't want to find help, 
one-on-one -on -one with a person there's so much to read and again wanted unwanted is a an amazing but but I do think that you've got to find somebody that you can be honest with the the thing that I would tell you and that I understand about the process is that I, I think the actually Nancy DeMoss used to say living with God with the roof off and the walls down hmm. and you know the roof off is on my prayers are going up to God all the time asking and pleading the minute the walls came down the minute my confession went lateral to to another person to in this case to Roe is when the victory started to happen and when the and when the growth started to happen so I would you got to find somebody that say mm -hmm. that will hear your story uh, somebody that will hear your whole story in fact you've got to yeah you got to tell the truth about everything everything you've ever done mm -hmm. uh, somebody's got to know that uh, yeah. and it's got to get out of your heart and out of out of you and out verbally and on the table yeah for the healing to start frankly. I think the roof off walls down is beautiful because I yeah. think a lot of people have their roofs off everybody's got their roof um, off. who doesn't the, pray to God yeah. <laughs> even b believers who, who, people who don't believe in God pray yeah. to God you know so the roof yeah. is off on everybody generally mm -hmm. everybody's life is the roof but the is walls off. for the most part are always up <clears throat> they're always up yeah, yeah. I, th I think that's that's huge even talking about how how porn is really a, a branch yeah of the problem like let's get to the trunk of the tree yeah, like yes yeah. that branch can be devastating it can have serious ramifications yeah. i mean it does have serious ramifications on what happens on the other side which we talked about earlier yeah. but when dealing with someone struggling let's get to the trunk when we want to go to those girls we're yeah. dealing with the branch and we need to go to those girls on the branches but if we're dealing with the man who's watching we have to get to yeah. the trunk we can't just keep on trying to chop off the branch because if the trunk's still producing those branches then you're just going to basically be effortless in even the now process. so <clears throat> i'm two-thirds of the way through this book unwanted and just a week ago i row and i were sitting on the couch and i'm going oh my gosh i know exactly what i was angry at mm -hmm. i know what my ang i know i could i and i won't tell you the whole thing but mm -hmm. it was for the first time i was really able to to articulate the details of my anger and it was so, I mean, it was hard, but it was so life-giving. Oh, mm -hmm. I, oh, I know what I'm angry at. Mm -hmm. I know what my dad used to do to me. And I, right? Remember that? Mm -hmm. It was so, it was so important uh, to be that mm -hmm. specific about, mm -hmm. he did that, it made me do this. And I, man, I'm, and I'm still <laughs> pissed about that. You know? Yeah. So, I've walked through a lot of guys. I mean, Ro, we've talked about being both type eights on the Enneagram, which means anger is very much a part of our, our daily lives. But a lot of guys, I mean, anger is one of the only emotions they can feel. Yes, yeah. um, so to sit with them and be able to sometimes, like, in the moment, see them as they've grown into health, like, oh, I know what I'm angry about. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I'm still, it doesn't mean I'm not angry. <laughs> yes. But yes. I can actually, instead of just being a ball of rage, yes. taking it out on other people, yes. I actually know what that core is. Or letting your anger drive you into porn, right? I mean, that's yeah. where, that's the only yep. other option. Generally, the option is, okay, if I can't, if I can't, with the walls down, really talk about my anger and mm -hmm. what I'm feeling right now, uh, you know, laterally with somebody, then the only safe place to go is to, well, I'll just go look at some porn and that'll take yeah. care of it. And I think when you carry that anger in, it makes sense that why violent pornography is growing. Because yeah. I, th I don't think we realize the connection between anger and lust and yeah. arousal, yeah. Um, but it's very much, very much prevalent, I think, driving that conversation. Yeah. Um, one thing we wanted to talk about as well, outside of just porn, is in general unwanted sexual behavior. And so that means someone who's hooking up with girls or guys on Tinder. Um, that means people who are meeting people at the bar and sleeping with them. This could even mean 
uh, people who are dating or engaged and having sex before they're married. Now, those are very different things, but nonetheless, the experience for every party is, I don't want to do this, and why do I keep having this happen to me? Um, so, Ro, in your, in your journey, in your experience, um, especially working with couples, kind of how should we think about those kinds of unwanted sexual behavior? With porn, I think it's, it's a lot more clear-cut, like <laughs> we need to get to the root and stop this thing. Um, but when you're dating, you've been dating for four years and now you're engaged and you're having sex, like what would be your counsel, what would be your words you'd speak to someone mm-hmm. in that situation? One of the things that, that I'd love to say to uh, the people I walk with often is that there's a, there's a holy desire within an unholy desire. Mm-hmm. There's, there's something good in your unholy wanting. And we have to connect with the deepest desires that drive what we do. So there's a behavior that we act out on, but there's mm-hmm. a deep desire underneath that behavior. Mm-hmm. And when our desires are not met as a child, this this is just that's another book, Seven Desires of the Heart, that Mark Leiser, Laser, who's from Minneapolis, has written a lot on sexual abuse and brokenness and affairs and pornography. He talks about desires, and, and um, when we, no matter if we're having sex with lots of people, if we're masturbating constantly, there's something, there's something broken. There's something, there's a need there that mm-hmm. you're using that to try mm-hmm. to cover the need. And I think we have to connect with the need. Mm-hmm. I also think it's important that we recognize that any kind of sexual behavior gives you three things. It gives you adrenaline dopamine uh and endorphins Mm -hmm. and it's the only thing at this point in our world that you can get all three of those from the experience Mm -hmm. so adrenaline is excitement and arousal you get that from cocaine or speed Hmm. uh endorphins helps us relax you can get that from pot alcohol or heroin and dopamine you can is a fantasy creative hormone Mm -hmm. you can get that from lsd so recognizing all the beauty of sex and that you get all of that in mm-hmm. the sexual experience, it's no wonder that it's such a high addiction in our society. Mm-hmm. But it's also something that's very beauti- beautiful. It, it, um, it was created by God. It was created for beauty. It was, it's this picture of intimacy that um, when done well, it, it takes away the shame and the guilt and the beauty of being naked together and mm-hmm. and all of that that is talked about in Genesis. Um, so, did I answer your question? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're hitting at it from multiple angles. Uh, no, I think I think that's important of kind of, okay, dopamine, what heroin is doing uh-huh. Like to you externally and relationships and what it's in your body is bad, but the rush it's giving you in a sense that those chemicals in there are good. Yes. Um, and sex is the only thing that does all of those things. So exactly. clearly when God instituted sex, when he created us for sex, it's, yeah. it's supposed to be a euphoric experience. Yes. But we so often use it to instead of like associate and grow intimacy with someone, we use it to disassociate yes. and distance ourselves from people. Very well said. Absolutely. So, so how do we... If I'm doing this with my girlfriend mm-hmm. um, and the Christian mandate, say we, we agree that the Christian mandate is marital sex is the best place, the ideal place in the covenant to have sex. 
what do we do when like sex with your girlfriend in a sense is bonding <laughs> but at the time it's it's not when you've been fully bonded emotionally covenantally whatever that is so i guess in your experience mentoring couples i'm sure you guys have done premarital um what does that conversation look like because i think this is connected I, it's different from porn it's different from having mm-hmm. sex with other people but the feeling afterwards is often the same feeling that rushes up within us. Yeah. Um, and so dealing with that shame yeah. is, I think, just as important. Well, we, tr- we truly want people to recognize that sexuality is beautiful. And you can't, you can't divorce yourself from your sexuality. And it's going to happen. It's, it, you're, there's going to be sexual tension between a man and a woman that fall in love. Um, but there's so much more to marriage. That, that is, that's the icing on the cake. You have to understand your stories together. And when, the, when we get in bed and start uh, focusing on the sexual relationship, then what you just said, Colton, we, we tend to ignore the emotional needs of connecting to each other emotionally, understanding what we like and dislike, what is, how do we um, comfort, how do we learn to comfort mm-hmm. one another, um, how do we nurture each other? How we find safety in our in our relationship? Mm-hmm. How do we um, help each other uh, grow and mature? Mm-hmm. And it's easy. I mean, Jim and I were not virgins when we got married. We uh, struggled with uh, having sex with each other, although we were committed to not having sex. But I was no way. <laughs> that <laughs> never way. happens. <laughs> and I was not a. I was not a virgin. When I met Jim, and he was, and um, so we we understand that struggle. It's mm-hmm. it's real, and it's it's just part of being human. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, the church has just made us. We see this in a lot of conservative churches that we you shut off that part of your body, and then you're supposed to let it yeah. bloom when you get married, and that's just as bad. Especially, so. especially, I feel like for women, it's yes. kind of like turn off your sexuality yes. until you're married, then become a sex goddess. Yes. Men, it's kind of this fine line of like you're an animal, yeah. like and you love sex, but like just not yet, bud, not yet. It's like yeah. almost like wait, it's like almost wait for the the gun to shoot and you yeah. can run the run the race. But yeah. for girls, it's like don't even get near the starting line. Yeah. Until you're married, and then somehow then catch up yeah. to your husband. I do think it's interesting that Jay Stringer in his book talked about the Jewish faith and how they view sexuality. And mm-hmm. one of the first things that uh, the Jewish culture teaches is that the woman sets the stage for yeah. when you will have sex. Mm-hmm. And in our culture, it's the man. He mm-hmm. gets to have sex whenever he wants because mm-hmm. women don't want it as often as they mm-hmm. do, supposedly. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> we don't come out and say that, but yeah. that's really what we believe. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's the un common that's the common view i think with marriage in marriage yeah yeah i I think that's that's fascinating just when you look at the the text of scripture Mm -hmm. and and i think of my friends who are dating or engaged and having sex before they got married whatever um there's this intense feeling of shame which is something you have to work through but i think when i often think of the sex they're having before they're married it's kind of just passion based it's lust based which isn't necessarily bad in a marital context but the the scriptural picture of sex is self-giving it's for the other it's for comfort for the other it's for pleasure for the other it's not this so I, I feel like a lot of times my friends who are having sex before they're married they're not having biblical sex even mm-hmm. if that makes sense one because they can't because I think it has to be in a marital covenant 
um, because of that level of commitment. But two, it, it's so much based on just pure passion and adrenaline yeah. and not actually on like, how can I serve the other? How can I give myself up for the other? Um, so, I mean, yeah, it may, that's a whole different conversation, which I'm sure in a different podcast yeah. <laughs> we'll get to. Well, I do want to add something. Um, I mean, we've been having sex as a married couple for 44 years, and it still is a question mark. There's still a lot for us to mm-hmm. understand about sexuality. And I just I, I, I just want people to know that it's complex and yeah. it's different. And every decade it's been different. It's been different in how we interact mm-hmm. with each other, what we need. You're telling me and you didn't kind figure of, it out on your honeymoon? No. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. It is, it is, there's a lot to it. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of friends who are, I mean, end of your college time, you know, you get married and you go on your honeymoon. I'm like, I'm just, it's going to be great. I'm going to figure it all out. And then just yeah. next th- 30 years. And I'm just like, yeah. have you talked to anyone older than you ever? Because um, that's probably not yeah. how it's going to go. I mean, I don't know. I'm a single man. Well, that's but. that's why Jim and I decided to write our own premarital uh, for couples. We had one couple that's uh, we I met in seminary, and they asked us to do their premarital, premarital. This was about 14 years ago. And we wrote it from our own brokenness. And we intentionally asked them to come back and talk about how sex was going the first six months, the first year, the second year. And lo and behold... It's never what they thought it was going to be. <laughs> in fact, a lot of men don't know how to help help a woman yep. have an orgasm. Yeah. There's a lot lot more to it. So, well, I thought it was, sex was just all about the man, and you know, the woman doesn't even <laughs> want to be there, yeah, and yeah, so it's yeah. just yeah, don't even worry about it. Just figure it out on your honeymoon. That's the advice we want to give to you. Just figure it out, you know. Um, so I guess kind of to to wrap things up, um, in some ways, I'm sure we'll still talk for a little bit, but kind of moving towards in this season wanting to deconstruct things wanting to tear down negative structures bad ways of thinking bad ways of processing but at the end of every podcast wanting to build uh, a better narrative uh, a future hope that we can actually take with us so i guess there's two questions but for the first one um, either one you can answer you both can answer what would you say your hope is for the church um, in dealing with pornography and unwanted sexual behavior as a whole but specifically with pornography what would you like to see the church become and the next 10 years of your life? The Greater Sea Church, how do, how do churches interact? <clears throat> you know, for me, um, and because this is really near and dear to my heart, every every chance I get whenever I'm in, in a small group or even in a larger group, um, I'm continually asking myself, how can I incorporate a, a, uh, a portion of the time to, to confession? And, mm. and allowing people a platform to tell the truth you know and Mm -hmm. it's just something that i don't see in church happening there's not a place for it you might say it's in the catholic church in that confessional i don't know exactly what happens in there i'm not catholic i really applaud the catholics for Mm -hmm. having that yeah but in the protestant world we just don't have a place where a confession Mm -hmm. takes a you know has a play has a has a section of time well, yeah. you, I, I mean, in the church, you come and sit in a seat. Yeah. The lights are dim, so you can't even see anybody. Yeah, right. yeah. You worship by yourself. You take yeah. communion by yourself. You listen to the sermon by, by yourself, yourself, and you yeah. leave and go get lunch. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, telling the truth, where is the place where I can tell the truth about what happened this week mm-hmm. and what I'm really going through? And then, of course, where is the where is the place where the truth comes from the pulpit? Where, And it's happening more and more among younger preachers, I think, is really, I'm encouraged by that. Millennials um, love millennials, vulnerability. Yeah, and, <laughs> and so I'm really encouraged by that for sure. But 
we need more we need that needs to happen on a regular basis on an ongoing basis that you know mm -hmm. people are able to there's safe places where people can tell the truth or frankly you know in my experience um i got to the place where i didn't care you know who who knew or who i was talking to i'm just going to tell the truth you know mm -hmm. hey jim what's going on what's why are you so why are you where you are and for me it was god's invitation and he said this way back in 1995 Whenever somebody asks you that question, you tell them the whole truth. You tell them about the porn addiction. You tell them that it was 30 years. You tell them what happened. You tell them the story. And, and that's what I, I actually see that in, in the Bible story, the characters that they, they told the truth. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. Dave, the, David and Bathsheba's stories in the Bible, you know, mm -hmm. and I mean, he must have told the truth to somebody yeah, oh my gosh. to get yeah. it written down, you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, so that'd be my hope that, um, that people would do that and then that they would really take uh, the time or the effort um, to really dive into their own story with resources like Allender, Dan Allender's uh, school up there in Seattle and, and Jay Stringer and Gordon Dalby and people who are really helping us uh, mm -hmm. take that journey inward and really unpack our stories to take advantage of, I mean, for the price of a book or for the price of a weekend or whatever, uh, mm -hmm. there's help. Mm -hmm. uh, there really is, uh, mm -hmm. and and so I'm encouraged by that. I'm I'm really excited about Jay's book, Unwanted. So excited yeah. about it. So, what about for you, Ro? Being involved in a seminary situation, what would be your hope for the church? I mean, you're yeah. a part of training up future leaders in the church. Yes. So, what I, are you teaching them? Yeah. In a sense, I, my hope would be that the church would start talking about it, really talking about what goes on in the heart of a man and a woman with uh, porn addiction. What are their deepest needs that drive the addiction because it's not about the addiction it's about connection it's about really being seen and heard and understood it's about safety it's about um, being able to understand story and we just we're not doing that and mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on around the United States I don't s keep up with stuff but I do know that Mike Erie did a great job when he did a God, Sex, and Love series, mm -hmm. both at Rock Harbor in Orange County and both in EV Free. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I'd seen a church actually have a really honest conversation on Sunday nights. And mm -hmm. Jim and I were a part of the counseling team. And there was hundreds and hundreds of people that came both times, mm -hmm. people wanting to talk about it. And mm -hmm. that was same-sex attraction, as well as um, people that are openly gay, Mm -hmm. and marriages where the husband wants to have anal sex. Mm -hmm. Those are conversations we're not having, mm -hmm. and it's happening in the congregation, and mm -hmm. people want a place to talk about it. So I listened to those sermons, whatever you want to call it. He put it on the Vox podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. it, phenomenal. It is. Yes. Probably the most phenomenal. Yes. I'm like, where... Where like, where is this happening now? Yeah. I'm yes. like, I want to be in a room with people yes. while this is happening, yeah. not just in my car driving. Um, especially there was one point where I think he had all the girls sit in the middle uh, yeah. of the auditorium and he had all the guys pray for them, yeah. um, which I just, stuff like that is, yeah. I think, Jim, even yeah. what you were talking about, this communal confession walls down, right. yeah. like, right. that's what Mike did. And regardless of how people down here think about Mike and yeah. what he's done, like, what he did with that series, I yeah. think, is probably more amazing. influential yeah. um, and more freeing than probably any other sermon series Absolutely. anyone has preached in the area in a long time. Yeah. 
Yes. I do think churches have to address why are they afraid to talk about it? What's the fear? Yeah. Because there is great fear around having this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess moving from that, that's that's the big C church. Um, I guess moving more to the individual because that's where we spent most of our time. If you could kind of give some parting words to someone who's struggling, someone who's walking alongside someone who's struggling, what would be the hope you would give um, a Christian who's trapped in addiction or walking with someone in addiction for their sexuality and for their inner being as a whole? You know, for me, um, as I made this journey and still am making this journey, and in particular as I read Jay Stringer's book, I'm really impressed that God designed our sexuality or sensuality to experience beauty. I mean, primarily that's what sex and sensuality is about. That's how we experience beauty. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't, I've never shed a tear. I can't remember ever shedding a tear watching porn. Hmm. But I, or even a sex scene on a Netflix movie or whatever. Mm -hmm. I've never shed a tear over those. But I do shed tears over a story of love and Mm -hmm. passion and, 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 uh, you know, um, well, that's why, I mean, I think you cry in chick flicks. Yeah. Which, right. I mean, it's a funny right. name, but you, you probably, you, you get more moved get, emotionally because of the beauty right. of love yes. than compared to just a raunchy, steamy love scene. Right. Right. And so, you know, I think if we, uh, could recapture that, that beauty that God intended and, and actually then also recognize when you're sitting there watching a Netflix show and you're going, wow, this is really not connecting me to beauty. This is the dark side of, of sex, or this is disconnecting me from my heart. Mm-hmm. Is really, that's really the question. This, this movie and that scene and what's, being, what's going on there is actually disconnecting me from my heart and God's heart. Mm-hmm. If I can recognize that and then essentially just turn it off or turn, flip it over to something or find something else that actually does make me cry some that, that does actually make me feel my heart and what's going on in my heart now i'm not saying that you can't you know that movies are i think movies are of all kinds are good but but mm-hmm. and worthwhile for sure but man the ones that really really make me think about and feel uh, mm-hmm. you know is really what i'm after and yeah it's i'm i mean that opportunity to so my problem right now, frankly, where I dissociate is I Netflix. Mm-hmm. And how is You're that? You're not alone in that. <laughs> how is that different from porn? Looking at yeah. porn, I, you know, yes, it is, but mm-hmm. it's still dis- at the root. It's, at the it's, root, yeah. it's still dissociating. And and I mean, even last night, I came home and I sat down and and there's that Han, that new Han Solo movie on, and, and which is a great movie by the way. I really liked it. <laughs> But I was captured. I had work to do, but I was captured by that, mm-hmm. and I watched the whole dadgum thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at my watch, and okay, I guess I don't have time for yeah, any more. Time to go to bed. Time <laughs> to go to bed. So we're so easily distracted mm-hmm. by by the what God doesn't really intend for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we could just recognize that about ourselves, and and journey with others who would help us recognize that God really designed us for beauty. And so where where can we and how can we find beauty and connect with beauty? Yeah, is really the bottom line. So you know so. What have I done? I've I went to the art store and I, I bought some watercolor pens and some yeah. and I've got a small guitar and I'm trying to connect physically with beauty and with creativity mm-hmm. and as opposed to just being a participant and watching. Mm-hmm. That's I think mm-hmm. that's really the essence of I want to stop just watching. I mm-hmm. want to participate mm-hmm. in in the beauty and mm-hmm. and I think as I make that journey out of just participating 
and or just watching uh, and into participation, then I think I'll really find wholeness and healing, frankly. Yeah. I think I would just add um, we weren't created to do this alone. Um, we need other people in our journey, and we have to recognize that uh, social media and um, any kind of technology is not connection. Even just texting or doing an emo to your friend is not connecting, and we, mm-hmm. we need face-to-face. Mm-hmm. We know that as a baby. A baby needs attunement. A baby needs to be nurtured. Mm-hmm. It needs to have someone mirror back what they're seeing in their face, reading the, <clears throat> the face, and we need that. So mm-hmm. that whether you're a believer or non-believer, you need to find someone to connect with that will hear your, your story and and for you to understand the false narratives, how you began to hear the need to be seen and heard. You may have heard that you were not good enough. It might have been you're not enough. Or you may have decided, I don't need to be seen or heard. So mm-hmm. we need to understand what keeps us from wanting to connect. Yeah. yeah. I think that's just a beautiful note to sum up uh, kind of what to do with pornography is learn how to connect. Um, I think connection is the key. We probably agree. Attachment, attunement, um, being with people in community is the key, I think, to getting out of a lot of these unhealthy and unwanted sexual behaviors. So thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. I hope for those who are listening that they can find the the hope, freedom, and beauty um, that sex can actually bring. Thank you, Colton. As always, we want to make sure we clarify this episode may have triggered you sexually. It may have brought up old pain, old shame, or even old unhealthy sexual behaviors. With all these things, we encourage you to tell someone about it. Don't keep it in. Don't walk alone. Invite people into your life. We hope that Roe and Jim's words today gave you a hope for getting out of your porn addiction beyond what you could have ever imagined. We hope that you can find freedom, wholeness, and healthy attachment in your journey out of addiction and struggle. Okay, everyone, that's it from here. And as always, may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace and believe so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound 